You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the X-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you, as always, for checking out the show. It's been a few weeks. Might even be a month. I don't even know. Your boy's been exceptionally busy. <laughs> uh, when when am I not, I, I guess I have to say. But essentially between, you know, I was home for about seven weeks after the ice sign kills run and then bad wolves tour got canceled and i was just in like album promo mode and you know just being home i was like all right we're gonna work on the podcast we're gonna do this and then all of a sudden that uh <laughs> just that you know that deadline of when you have to leave starts hitting you and then kind of all your home stuff you have to start wrapping up and essentially i was preparing for two tours simultaneously between god forbid was doing the headbangers boat and we had some also some other support shows and right on the tail of that bad wolves was going out with bush and had some headline shows and so i had to prepare for those both at the same time along with all the responsibilities of trying to promote the new bad wolves album die about it which is out now i hope you have picked it up checked it out i hope you enjoy it and uh it was just a lot of work it was overwhelming and you know the God forbid stuff went great. Thank, huge thank you to Lamb of God for having us on there. All the bands were incredible. So much fun. I was kind of fighting a sickness. You know, this kind of cough thing wasn't really fun. But just being on the boat was amazing. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys heard, you know, they we, we lost someone uh, while we were out at sea. I've heard some crazy stories. Um, it was definitely a very, very kind of surreal day kind of dealing with all that and trying to figure out how to carry on. Um, even now, it's still weird to even think about, uh, but definitely, you know, condolences to uh, that guy's family and his friends and whatever. It just, just sucks. just really sucks. But, you know, overall, the experience was awesome, and they're doing it again. Uh, and, you know, God forbid, you know, we played great. It's cool. It seemed like it's almost funny because it was like people who – had you know, we're almost just discovering the band. You'd overhear, oh man, just heard God forbid, they're really cool. Like almost like we're a new band, which is pretty funny to me. <laughs> but uh, we had great crowds. People were really into it, and you know, I think the band performed well. And you know, it was it was a good time. Uh, but pretty much that ended, and I had about twelve hours of travel home for about six eight hours, just enough time to pack and sleep for like five minutes. 
and get back on a plane and do the whole thing again, travel for another 12 hours. So I didn't sleep a lot. Right into Bad Wolves rehearsals, we rehearsed at Sweetwater in Fort Wayne, um, Indiana, Indiana, and, you know, kind of got right into that. And it was like with Bad Wolves, it's like everything's new. It's like new gear, new songs. We have new guitar player, AJ from Issues is playing with us. And, you know, I've only played three shows with Bad Wolves before this run uh, this year. So it's like almost like I feel like I've been gone. It feels it feels new for me in in many ways. So it was just kind of getting back in that that mode, um, you know, but it but it went well. You know, we did like four headline shows and now we just did our fourth show supporting Bush. And it's been great. You know, uh, the Bush guys are just couldn't be nicer. I mean, any pretty much anything we need, they're just like, make sure it happens. And, you know, the the accommodations are great, great dressing rooms, great venues. And we're doing a lot of these, like, very fancy theaters, like the kind of theaters you would go see a comedian in or, like, maybe a, an older, kind of more refined act. You know, you go see Toto or, <laughs> you know, Tori Amos or something. We're playing, like, those kind of theaters. And, uh, and it has its benefits because it's... You know, like I said, the, the, they have great food and catering and the backstage is great. You know, it's like some of these shows, each guy in the band got his own dressing room, <laughs> you know, showers, just everything. All everything is just very easy. And uh, but a lot of it's just it's all seats, you know, so sometimes you feel like you're playing the uh, the high school talent show. <laughs> and, you know, everyone's just waiting for Bush to go on. Um, but, you know, it's still been a great experience. And but it's going to be a quick tour. I mean, we're done. I think it's. A little over two and a half weeks, three weeks, something like that, and you know we're doing two two more headline shows in between on some off dates, and then we have four shows going home. Uh, so we're playing on the way going back. We're playing Seattle, uh, Reno, Nevada, Roseville, California, and then we're going to be headlining the Whiskey on the last show. And we have uh, Lions at the Gates. Lions at the Gate, excuse me, is going to be. Uh, joining us on that show. We have Eva Under Fire for those shows. And then this guy, Nathan James, is going to be supporting a few of those shows coming home. So it's a wild run for in a wild year for me. So, you know, and, and just a couple of days ago, it just kind of hit me just, you know, I was late on doing this podcast stuff. I'm, I feel like I'm, I have a bunch of little projects that have just kind of piled up and work I haven't gotten done and, you know, just kind of hit me. I'm like, man, I'm I'm burnt out. <laughs> You know, because I, I did that whole six months with I Signed Kills and I busted my ass while I was home. You know, there I, I think I maybe had a few days off and went right into just everything. And I think it's taken its toll on me. So going to try and settle in, get some rest. Um, you know, it's hard to rest on tour, you know, but these days are pretty easy. You know, like we're pretty much done, you know, with our sound check by like 334 and just got to have to wait to play. And it's, you know, it's pretty easy peasy out here. So definitely no complaints. Uh, so, yeah, I hope to see you guys out here on the road at some point. And you know, I'm going to try and get some podcasts done over the next couple of weeks. I recorded a few before I left. So I'll definitely kind of squeeze those out over the course of the next few weeks. Maybe I'll, I'll get an interview or two while I'm out here. It remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, buy tickets to all those Bad Wolves off dates, any of the dates with Bush. Most of these Bush dates are seem like they're either sold out or pretty close to it. So 
if you've missed out, then you might not be able to get your get your tickets. But it's really cool, really cool show. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna talk too much, and we don't have a show sponsor this week. So if you'd like to sponsor the show, shoot me an email at the Xman Podcast at gmail.com. Remember that's EX, or just get up in my DMs and we'll see where we can fit you in. And uh yeah, so we have a really awesome show this week. Uh we have a X-Man alumni mr wes hauk uh from the band alluvial has played with bands like the faceless and uh several other bands one of the best guitar players alive no doubt and also the singer of his band uh alluvial uh kevin mueller formerly of suffocation and you know they just dropped an ep that's kicks ass and they are i think they just wrapped a tour with tesseract um and intervals they were just out so uh, you know, they want to come on the show, talk about their new record, talk about what's going on with the band. Uh, I love Wes. Um, I don't know Kevin quite as well, but the times I've hung out with him, he's been incredible. So let's get to that conversation with the amazing Mr. Wes Hauk and Kevin Mueller. So I don't usually have two people on the podcast together so you guys are like breaking the protocol just let you know so fucking did it dude not even one not even one time well you okay usually if i'm gonna have multiple people on it's more like a panel you know like where we're doing like a round table discussion you know so what i'm worried about though is maybe the podcast police might break in and you know lock me up and take me away so we'll, we'll hopefully that doesn't that doesn't happen because I think I'm the only sheriff in uh, X-Man town. So, uh, <laughs> so Wes, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks two for time, two time X-Man. And then, uh, Kevin, this is your first time. First time, first and proud. All right. But you're not the first Kevin, all right? Cause my father was on the show, uh, the late Kevin Coyle. So welcome. He deserves dad, it. dad forbid, right? That's right. The long line of amazing, uh, Kevin's. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, forbid. But seriously, uh, thank you, thank you both for for taking your time to be on the show. I've just been absorbing this new material. I don't like. I feel weird because it's like I'm like looking online. I'm like, has this been announced? Do people know that new music is coming, or is this just for the uh, people like me, the the privileged few who get to kind of hear this this new stuff? Well, I sent it to you the other week. Um... It's coming out. When, when will this podcast come out? Um, uh, next few weeks. Okay, cool. So it so we have an EP that's coming out on October fifth. It's called "Death Is But a Door." Um, this summer, we got together and wrote probably like twelve or thirteen songs, but um, we wanted to get something out in twenty twenty three, and we're doing this tour this fall with Tesseract and uh. We wanted to just be able to play new shit and um this was the coolest way to do it and i guess in the spirit of trying to get things out in you know at a minimum or a maximum rather of two years you know what i mean last record came out in 2021 the summertime we're just over two years on this one you know so we wanted yeah. to be able to uh not only go out and play good shit and new shit but um give something to everybody before we put out another full length and um 
that was something that we wrapped up in like a about a month's time span like it was cool because a lot of the stuff on sarcoma was fairly old by the time like everyone else heard it like some of those yeah. songs started getting written in in 2018 and a lot of them were also written before he was really like in the band so i wrote a lot of songs without even really knowing what the vocalist was going to sound like so this time it kind of sounds like me and kevin have been friends for six years you know what i mean whereas and, it's crazy and, how fast and, time goes and that isn't that isn't like to say anything that we're not immensely proud of sarcoma but this is definitely like i mean i guess to anyone who knows either of us you would be like oh yeah now it sounds like <laughs> a cohesion you know what i mean um but uh yeah the you know it's a it's it's a four song just action-packed uh thing and we're putting out two songs on october 5th so we'll be able to play two new songs on this tesseract run that's a great um, tour for you guys yeah, it's very different. Uh, in but I think if we go out there and work hard, I think that you know we'll be able to win them over. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a it's a really really good good look. But I have to say, you know, congrats on this new material. It's unbelievable. I think it's definitely like you can feel the step forward that you guys have have taken creatively, sonically. Um, it's I don't know there's something about what you guys do because you know we we have this kind of whole layout of extreme music right now it seems like it's it's everywhere it's bigger than ever um but I don't know you guys are kind of infinitely more listenable to me than a lot of the other extreme bands or death metal bands where you kind of put put in that um you know it, there's just there's something I don't know there's just there's something else something in the sauce for you guys that that like whereas like some you ever listen to some records where it's like it's so heavy like three songs you're like i'm out son <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just overcooked yeah you're like, i know Yo. that feeling like you put on like a casey strain record by track four you're like man i need i need a bulletproof vest and a twinkie you know <laughs> <laughs> that new acacia strain record is sick um i like it a lot um yeah i mean with with regard to that um it's one of those things that when we put out sarcoma um when with press and i guess with just like you know people making youtube videos talking about it um we got called atmospheric death metal death metal in some cases death core and like these days right i mean and you've been around long enough to see this i feel like core anything you say you know whatever insert whatever core is just a pejorative that is hurled at bands that have discernible choruses and verses you know what i mean and we have that so i mean guilty is fucking charged if you want to call us core but i think 10 20 years from now people will just call us a metal band you know well i actually think it's the opposite now i think if you're core then you're actually part of a big scene and you basically get you know like where it's you know, like even like a band like Bad Wolves that has stuff like music that would sound very similar to a lot of bands that are quote unquote modern metalcore, but we're not part of the scene because of just how we kind of the band came out. But if we probably were, we'd actually probably get a whole bunch of people who would accept you because that you're part of the scene. And the scene, I think, has actually very little to do with how it's how you sound. It's more about aesthetics and kind of who you tour with and right 
you know, it's all it's these other kind of things out out outside of that. So I think it's actually turned a a, a new leaf where the actual core is not a pejorative now. Now it's like you actually, if you're just thinking about purely just success and popularity and reaching an audience, I think it's actually helps you now. I think. Yeah, I feel like it changes definitely over to gen different generations. Like whenever someone says like deathcore or something, my brain goes to like despise icon like immediately. But it, yeah, the core thing is it, it's just constantly evolving. Now it's just like for me, it's like anything with like choirs in it <laughs> or big background synth and stuff is like the the majority of the core shit now. But it's sick, creative, different. But yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah, um, and I would just want to ask you guys just a little bit about you know, the last record and just how everything came about because the band was originally an instrumental band, but not really a touring entity. It just kind of existed as this, this record that uh, you and uh, Keith did. And then, you know, Sarcoma came together, but it happened right kind of like not deep in the pandemic, but kind of at the tail end, but still, a tough time you know there weren't a lot of tours happening things were slowly kind of getting back to normal can you kind of describe um the challenges if any that kind of went along with the timing of kind of trying to launch a full band during during a period like that hey what's up this is blake wyland i'm the host of the tone mob podcast it's a show where i interview guitar people about guitar stuff we talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'll give like an abbreviated sort of cliff note timeline. So um, that Deep Longing record, um, Keith and I had finished that up and put it out in 2017. And I had like 
very little, if any, plans for it. I was in community college at the time in the valley. Um, I was living off of Topanga Canyon, and um, we got an offer to do a tour with animals as leaders. And um, at the time, it was like, oh, wow. Like, I, what I'd done for the 10 years up to that point was largely going out and playing other people's music, you know? And it was like a, whoa, this is an opportunity to play some shit that I wrote in my underwear and like, apartment you know what i mean that's pretty cool so um we wouldn't did it but like at that time um that that was a you know all she wrote it was like kind of a one and done thing and um the goal for the band was always for it to be a full package sort of vocal thing but as you know right like the front man thing like they they don't grow on trees right you know it's a tricky thing to find the right guy and um that's just a matter of caring about it and waiting and um Eventually, I started talking to Kevin in like the beginning of 2018. Um, and then from there, we finished up Sarcoma by the end of 2019, was it? Yeah, probably. So like it had been done for like a little over a year before it came out. And um, the uh, the touring thing, like, had started to slowly lurch back to life. You know what I mean? Around fall of 2021, you had that BDM run with like uh, Undeath of Rivers of Nile and um, Carnifex. I think that was one of the first ones that came back, yeah. you know? Um, and um, we luckily, you know what I mean? I didn't really know what to expect, right? It's like the whole thing kind of reared its head and everyone was allowed to go out and make their money again. I was like, man, I'm sure that people are going to prioritize putting bands on their tours that definitely put asses in seats, but we got a lot of, you know, we, we played 160 shows on Sarcoma in a year and like two months, which is, you know, like all we could ever ask for is a brand new band. Um, that's, a, that's a grind. And um, we basically like, because we didn't get the tour, on sarcoma until it had been an out for like until it had been out for about a year it was important i think for all of us to just try to get new shit in the chamber just because um not only was it old but it was old kind of when we first started to go play shows on you know so this time it's the first time that we've ever been able to this will be the first time we've been able to ever go out as a band with shit that's new and like truly new a lot of this stuff was finished in june you know what i mean like you know it wasn't like sarcoma where it was like oh yeah that's that song's a year old you know what i mean um but yeah it's 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 been cool because um you never really know like I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but like if you're ever been able to like pay attention or have perspective on like how people accept your music, but the touring that we got to do on Sarcoma was, was awesome. You know what I mean? Like it was cool to see how many people had gotten into the record, like with, with very little coercion because we are conservative on social media, like in the sense that, you know, like, um, I'm not one of those guys who's going like, Hey, flashback Friday to the time we were in Wichita. You know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, we're, we try to like prioritize, you know, if we're going to use social media, it's hopefully going to be for something that actually means a fuck, you know? So, yeah. um, but yeah, um, 
the whole thing kind of once we finished the music videos for everything like that it became this like all right well we have a little bit of time to get everything together for us to be a touring band you know i mean that's everything from the the van to a trailer to all the gear and stuff like that so in a way covid was gave us an advantage like that in time you know but it also fucked us on the sense that when we first finally got to go out and play shows on the sarcoma it was it was old hat maybe you know yeah yeah i mean it um in a weird way because i think because the record came out earlier in the year right in 2021 may 28th i think yeah but it just seemed like uh you know it was this thing where you guys were a band's band where it seemed like a lot of people in the scene were talking about the record and that created a buzz that i think filtered you know into into normie land a little <laughs> a, a little bit and that might have been kind of kind of one of the benefits because i think people were like people were home they were checking out new music they were see oh what's going on here a lot of in a lot of bands were like delaying their records right because they didn't want to put them out during that time so i think there were certain artists that got a big benefit from putting out albums during the pandemic because there was less traffic you know mm-hmm. um and you could actually kind of kind of take it take advantage um Kevin, how did you just get involved with uh, this project at at the start? Um, this is a funny topic because I got to give shout out to Thaddeus. Yeah, Dan Kenny's sure. gonna hate this. There's a explain part of it too that there's like a there's like a like a there's this tug of war that happens yeah. between who got me in touch with Wes. Now, when I I was just in the band Suffocation, just and I departed with them in 2017 um actually that's when i met you for the first time i was with pat kenny at Ozfest, and we were walking around oh i we I, I remember i remember yeah well, I mean, <laughs> so, th- so this is the x-man podcast so do you have is there a crazy story about why your time ended with uh suffocation i don't know if nothing, it's there. no 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 nothing crazy i think it's just more like you know uh when you um have best friends right and then you become roommates with your best friends you know yeah, their socks keep ending up on your bed. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, um, but no, I, nothing. There's no bad blood there. I love those guys. Wish them all the love and success. But I just it, it was just one of those things where living together, we definitely butt heads in certain ways, but nothing, nothing extreme. But um, no. So I, I had just left suffocation at the end of 2017 after we did our BDM tour um, and a friend of mine, Thaddeus, shout out. Um, he was doing merch for Dying Fetus at the time. And me and him were like merch trade buddies where I'd send him Suffolk shirts. He sends me Fetus shirts, you know. And uh, he hit up Wes right away as soon as I departed. He said, I got the free agent for you. You know, and he wrote me on Facebook. And this was at a time I was thinking about purging my whole inbox. I had all these different bullshit messages. And then uh, I just stumbled across it. And I was just kind of like, oh, let me check this out. Meanwhile, I didn't. I didn't know Wes. I'm, you know, I lived very heavily in like just the, I want to say like the brutal death metal slam world for a while. And I was just kind of like, Oh, let me do some research. And he sent me deep longing and I was very much hooked. I was like, wow, this is very original and very unique where no one sounds like this. And it's, it was very interesting. Me and him called each other a bunch and we just aligned so much on like where our future future vision of where we want to be and what we want to sound like. And like, the way you said it best was like, I want that high school band that's like just 
all your boys just playing your favorite shit, you know? And I think we have that. I'm very grateful for it. Um, but to go back on the Thaddeus and Dan Kenny thing is Dan Kenny likes to say that he was the one that put me in touch or put Wes in touch with me. And in my memory, I remember that Thaddeus is doing it. <laughs> just, every once in a while, DK will call me and just be like, tell, tell me, right. It was me. I was like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. Thaddeus in this weird way because of, um, because of how many people he's worked for and how long he's been around is like he would almost be like this human chainsaw of a manager like if he ever wanted to be you know yeah. and um but but he's like he's connected a lot of good people with other good people like who, who's um, that is again just so, i'm sorry i think maybe I, did I miss this link i'm sorry Thaddeus Gavora. uh he is the first time i ever met him was when i toured with fetus in 2012 he was working for fetus so like um he kind of did merch for, I don't know, damn near every band you could think of that's like, you know, in like the metal scene. And now he's moved on. I think he works for Global, right? So like he goes and does like he bends at like the Post Malone yep. or like the Katy Perry show. My Chemical Romance, he did. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's on the high road, you know, now he's got the fucking hotel room and you know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, um, he's he's put a lot of great, people in touch with each other like there's a friend of mine uh named jeeves jesus avalos he plays drums in crown the empire and that is a thaddeus connection he's like you know like he knew he'd, he'd worked for crown the empire and was like they needed a drummer and he was like i've got this fucking dude and you know wham bam uh it's a done deal so yeah that's why me and kevin know each other and um and uh back to that whole sort of like i guess high school band thing that he was talking about um yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's this thing where it's like, we want to, we all have like different shit, I guess, that we're into in the same way that most bands do, but we all kind of know when it's, it's correct. Like when we were here working on songs over the summer, you know what I mean? Like I said, there's, there's 12 or 13 things and you know, like definitely a lot of stuff that's going to be on our next full length, but there was this time whenever time, like, when we get through something and it was like, yeah, that's not the message. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was this intangible thing. It's like, nah, that's, that's not it. And then you always know when you hit the thing. Um, and um, that comes from being able to be like ruthless, ruthlessly critical of one another without like being like, fuck you, man. Or like getting your feelings hurt. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's this thing where like, like there'd be sometimes I'd play, like I'd, I'd ch chuck some riff in there and he'd, he'd just be like, Greyhound, beat it, <laughs> get it out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that would make us laugh rather than being like, man, I really liked it. Yeah. You know, like, it's not the way I wrote it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I, I think uh, a vocalist can be a great barometer for, regular people right if they're thinking more like you know because the musicians just get wrapped up in musician world and you know get kind of locked in 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 there and you kind of lose the plot sometimes so a, a vocalist that kind of can see things a little more from a, a, a fan's perspective i think is a, is a yeah thing. 
a lot of with our new stuff, I, I, I definitely put a lot of focus on like what the live show is going to be like. You know, we have a part in one of our songs that we call to ourselves like the festival part because it's just like you can imagine playing it walking with like the whole crowd cheering along at a certain point. And it's just kind of like, you know, he'll start the riff one way. I'm like, but what if we did it like this? Because it might be this more explosive if I am on this pattern. And we've had a lot of those moments on this record where there's heavy parts. There's every, every song has like hits a specific vibe or meaning or feeling, you know, and it's awesome. We're able to separate that and tell it to each other. Yeah. Um, so when you guys kind of started, like, all right, you say you got the band, you're like, all right, we're going, we're going. And, and luckily I think one of the hardest things, for a, a newer band, even though, you know, you guys are like established people and you have uh, backgrounds and stuff and that, I'm sure that that helps, but just, just landing tours, good tours early on is, is tough. So it was, I think it was cool that you guys had uh, some good opportunities where we kind of build and work off one of the, the other, but you know, Wes, you're, you know, I think me and you are probably similar, similar in age, but was that, you know, like I think about launching a band you know, at our age, and I'm like, it just it feels so daunting, you know, um, and especially just like I said, from the, from the ground up where it's just brick by brick um, and kind of seeing that, you know, knowing like you're not in a pop band, you're not in, a, you know, something that is going to go, you know, that you probably is going to go from zero to 100, like overnight, you know, it's going to be a, a very kind of deliberate um, process. Is that, you know, what, how did that feel kind of out the gate? going all right we're we're doing this was it daunting was it kind of what you expected um i got a two-part answer um i came into this i guess a little bit later than like a, a lot of my friends you know what i mean like you know um yeah. so i don't feel like i've i've hit the spot yet where i've been rewarded in a way that would make it difficult for me to like be in a van and and you know like stuff like that i don't know if i'm explaining that correctly but like i guess a lot of my friends have experienced a lot of success at a pretty young age you know what i mean like there's certain bands i know that you and i have friends with like that have had this meteoric rise and like um at a pretty young age and if they go through any sort of rough patch, like they, you know, there's this, um, there's this doom and gloom and shit's not the way it was. And I'm just like, man, shit's never been super sick for me. I'm just going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just cause I like it. Um, but, uh, the other part of it is I guess when we first started putting the stuff together for sarcoma, um, I don't know that we ever thought that we would, try to get signed or like try to you know play in the you know on the field for real like at the time when we were doing i think we were just trying to write songs and like you know uh maybe we would play some shows on it maybe we would you know do some sort of uh podcast or interview for it but it wasn't it there were none of the chips in place yet. Right. I didn't have any of the means to do it. All right. We had, we didn't have Tim yet. We didn't have Zach yet. We didn't have any of the pieces to actually be a band, but, uh, you know, things as it kind of came together, it was like, all right, well, fuck it. Why not? You know? Um, and, uh, I guess 
Dino Cazares said this to me one time, and there's a guy who, of course, experienced a lot of success at a fairly young age. You know what I mean? And I was, he was talking about going out with divine heresy in a van. And I was like, Whoa, that's fucking gnarly. Like, do, do you hate that? And he was like, nah, man, he was just like, you gotta, you gotta do it. Like, he's like, we're not as established as fear factory was, and you just got to go and fucking do it. But I was like, that's sick. That's like, that's the right attitude to have. I mean, because it's like that, um, it's that saying it's like, you know, effort doesn't count only the result does. So you just keep doing it and fucking you do it because you care about it. Not because you want someone to pat you on the butt for it. And, um, um, yeah, we're just having fun and we're just trying to put out music that we care about. And I guess that we, um, would want to hear, but do it in this format where it is. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, it's like a, it's a heavy band that is conservatively technical, right? We didn't want to be like a fucking, you know, we didn't want to be like a super techie band, but we wanted to be able to like, um, throw everything that we like into it which is this you know kind of like if i if i talked about our mixture right it was like we're kind of like 45 percent a death metal band we're like 30 percent like traditional metal like your sort of slayer pantera metallica megadeth thing and then there's this like 25 percent grunge slash like black and roll thing to us like the whole like like it's kind of like alice in chains soundgarden and like rain chaos era dissection like the black and roll type of shit and and um we got to kind of throw a lot of songs like that onto sarcoma which i which is cool because i think like henceforth we could still write heavier shit than we ever have but if we have songs with singing on it people aren't gonna you know their tone their toenails aren't gonna turn <laughs> green all of a sudden because we fucking have a song with singing you know yeah, yeah, it will be a late surprise. I'll say this, though. You're singing, though. It's not like it's very gruff and manly and kind of it's, it's you know, it's 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 not pretty, if that makes sense. Like, it's I mean, it's beautiful. Like, 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 especially this this new song. What is it? Same this song. Um, Death is but a door. Death is but a door, man. It's like definitely it's like goosebump moments on that one for sure. That's like, I feel like it's a, a big uh, step forward for for you guys but there's something you know there's there's nothing i i would especially in the, what the way bands are doing music now where it just seems like there's a lot more genre blending um people are kind of used to people throwing singing in there but it, it just it fits extremely well it's not at a, a left field at all yeah i mean um what would like when you okay when when like when God forbid and shadows fall and lamb of God and unearth and all those bands were like representing the, the new wave of American heavy metal, probably at that time, like I always say this, like when you think about black Sabbath or like, you know, velvet underground or a lot of those things, like the slate was like not filled in yet. So like, it was probably, interesting to hear like a band that wasn't really branded a death metal band have like a ton of blast beats and shit like that in it around there in like 0305 or whatever what's the what's the name of your guys's first record again well the first god forbid album is called reject the sickness but a lot of people 
outside of the Northeast didn't really hear that record, but our first Central Media record was Determination. That one, that's the one, yeah. That one has got like arguably like death metal moment moments on it for the time. You know what I'm saying? Whereas like nowadays, right? Like at this point, System of a Down has got blast beats and some <laughs> shit like that. You know what I mean? I think probably Bad Wolves has got blast beats and some songs and yeah. shit. So like the nomenclature that was like, this is designated for death metal type of thing is like, yeah, it's the slates you can, you can grab from a bunch of different places and no one's, you know, none none the wiser and where it came up where it came from which is maybe a good thing and maybe a bad thing at the same time i'm not really sure but there's like metalcore bands like like poppy like like in that breakdown core metalcore world using like slams and stuff and i'm just like what is happening we're seeing like this like you said just a big mix match it's 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 healthy nowadays to see a lot of bands pulling from different places yeah, I bet I you think... Ice Nine Kills has fucking blast beats, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there we go. I mean, Ice Nine Kills has straight up, you know, I mean, tech tech death stuff all over. And what's crazy is their new album, which took them to like a much higher level, is way crazier and technical and out of control than their previous record. Like they they got heavier and got bigger. Um, I mean, stuff that's way way crazier than Bad Wolf shit. Like just you know, because Dan. Sugarman is a psycho. <laughs> That's a guitar you know, player, right? Yeah. You know, just out of control. He was, he was in as Blood Runs Black, right? Yeah. Am I correct on that? There you go. And so he brings a lot of that influence to the band. Yeah. That's sick. You know, but yeah, and it's it's all it's all over the place, whether it's um, you know, and, and funny, I actually think the band that brought that extreme metal into the mainstream and kind of exported it you know, out to all these, this new generation was Slipknot, you know, with, with um, especially with the, the Iowa record, I think was coming out like blast beats and gutturals and everything that that comes along with it, you know, the way that how down tuned it was and, and crazy. And that was like, you know, now we're, we're 20 years removed from that. And again, like for my generation, our band was Metallica for that next generation, their band was Slipknot or Korn and so yeah. on and so forth. And, and for these young kids, their band is going to be Ice Nine Kills or Falling in Reverse or, you know, Slaughtered or Prevail or something, you know? We were just talking about this the other day. Like, look at the tours that are happening right now, too. Like, Motionless and White and Knocked Loose, stuff like that. It's just like, that. it's, you know, Knocked Loose can be that new band for young kids, too. Or, you know, it's just that you're seeing, you're getting hit with so many flavors at once. It's yeah, it's kind of incredible. Well, it's, it's, it's Motionless and White, Knocked Loose, ATV, yeah. and someone else. Yeah, Alpha funny. Wolf. Maybe, yeah. but like it was, but like it's what a radical night. Yeah. You know I mean? I'm thinking like, about like kids that just own, like think about your normal, like they listen to the radio or spot, whatever Spotify feeds them, goes to Hot Topic for their shirts and then goes to see Motionless and White and just gets beat with fucking all different flavors for the whole night. That's awesome. Knock Loose like is kind of in a lot of ways being like they, they're getting to like, represent heavy music at these very weird places like Coachella and shit and there's videos of like uh Billy Eilish watching them and shit yeah. you know what i mean like just just stuff kind of like like you know you know in like the the late 90s you were probably he Kevin's 10 years younger than me so he not might he might not totally remember this but like when you would see like corn with Wu-Tang Clan oh yeah yeah or like 
like like do project revolution tour you know what i mean that were like much bigger yeah project was corn and snoop dog and fucking lincoln park on tour oh wow yeah and then family values before that it was like yeah you know the biscuit right the biscuit corn ice cube (laughs) einstein and you know i think did eminem do one of those i can't remember but I i know they like it was a lot, you know, Exhibit, I think, did one. Mm. You know, but that, that was the idea of genre bending and, and bringing, the, bringing the scenes together. Yeah. And now we're blessed with Body Count. Hell yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Love that. Hey, well, Body Count predates, you know, Body Count. Yeah, goes, true, like, true. Five? When, when did that first Body Count? Yeah. Or maybe I mean, but even, but even look at their stuff. Look at their newer stuff. It's just they're, they're bending with the times even further. They were, like, very punk, hardcore, like – of that era and now they're just like bum, 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 just crazy death metal riffs and it's just like yeah i'm in for it this is good <laughs> shout out will putney all right he's yeah there you go mastermind yeah Let's i actually see. wrote this wrote a song off not the new body count but the previous record so oh that's awesome <laughs> oh, that? oh nice so kind of um pivoting off this idea of you know, we're talking about music at large and how things are changing and evolving and genre bending. You guys kind of got to get out there, I, I guess, with uh, in the scene, you know, technical death metal, but stuff even outside of that. Where do you feel like you fit in after you've actually gotten to go out there and kind of meet the people and see the reactions up close? That's a really good one. I feel like the the our mission or our feeling is like we want to play everything. Um, but in terms of who we fit in with it's if it's, if it's specific answers, but like, I don't know, shout out to like crystal Lake and bands like that, where they just got my buddy, John Roberts on vocals. And they just, he elevated their sound with that, like East coast violent vocalist with Japanese metalcore. but it's, it creates a new flavor for them that I think aligns with kind of what we want to do, you know, um, you know, bleed from within, Awesome band, you know stuff like that where it's just they they know how to bring violence in a way that's classy. Classy, does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, like it's done like gentlemen. Like it's not. It's it's just you know we all have a spot in our heart for like the over ignorance and heavy drawn out six minute breakdowns, but it's kind of like we want to write songs. You know, songs that you know really. How do we say it? You want to write the songs, the lyrics that are yeah. smart. Yeah. You want to sound smart. Yeah. They want to, we want to write songs that make you shake your ass and cry. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. That's the main thing. If you can, the goal is like, we want to make you shake your ass a little bit and maybe break your heart yeah. at the same time. Um, and um, as far as like who we would want to play with or like, um, you know, in in terms of like a scene that we would want to call a home i don't know if we have one i want to play with everyone really i mean like i like um i don't know i'm not too precious about like what it is that we are you know what i mean and i'm not too precious about like what people want to call us like if people like our songs you know what i mean and they tell and they're telling their friends about it that's all it means a fuck to me um but uh yeah i mean i the 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 goal and i guess the format of it all is like probably gonna carry it's gonna go along this thing of probably just finding ways to be like darker and heavier but still do it in the format of this like 
three and a half, four and a half, five minute long song. Um, you know, there's definitely bands out there that are having a ton of success with really long songs. And that's great. I mean, like if you have your fans that are just ready for that, like a BT band, like that's ready for a 13 minute long song. That's fucking awesome. Um, I think personally for myself, I was going to write like an eight to 13 minute long song. It needs to be fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. It needs to be <laughs> that dope. You know what I mean? Like, I like, um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, like that. There are no, there are no rules. Clearly, you know, like if 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 your fan, you know, the people who are into your band, and it means a fuck to them, like they're, you're gonna write long songs, and that's part of your format. Then you know, you're gonna be able to do it. We've just chosen to do this, you know, action packed thing. There's this, you know, that one video. Courtney got me the, uh, the injustice for all, um, box set. You know what I mean? And like it's it's a bunch of interviews from the time and everything, you know, those when Metallica kind of put up all these box sets for every classic record mm -hmm. for like years. Um, there's this one interview on the black album one where James is saying like, yeah, like on the justice record, when we were doing support tours, we just started seeing the set list shrink, you know, like the amount of songs we were able to play just because like, you know, they're pretty adventurous uh, arrangements on justice. Right. I mean, like it's my favorite record it's my favorite metallica record by far but um you know that's what they were doing at the time and it didn't make them any less didn't make people any less stoked on them so i don't know i guess it's who knows i don't know at some point we might throw some long ass song at somebody to me it's just all about what comes naturally what feels right you know it's like you know machine head is a band that writes long songs and i don't listen to those and go why isn't halo two minutes shorter it's like no it, it works for what it is um opeth writes long songs and there's no point i'm like i that should be shorter or whatever it's like no i mean in god forbid I actually had proggy moments where we had songs in the six seven even eight minute long, long range but that's what we were feeling at the time you know so it's really just about what the vibe of the band is some bands you know you want all that remains to have like a three minute long song you want you know uh you know, maybe like a, a punk band or something, you want something that's tight and compact or hate breed or something like that. That's what they do. Um, so to me, it's like, there's no right or wrong way. It's just what works for that artist, what feels what feels right, you know, for, for, for whatever the musical expression is at a particularly given time. Yeah. I think that's why we're super stoked on Sarcoma. I feel like we covered all the bases that like we imagine ourselves doing. And now it's like, nothing's a surprise anymore. You know, we can get, you know, as heavy as we went on this EP, it could get heavier and get sadder and get, you know, you could do a whole fucking thing of you singing, you know, <laughs> and it would still be not a surprise. You know, I like that we cover our grounds. The West acoustic album, the right, the, the unplugged, the, the dark uh, country, you know. No, I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't drink enough. to. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, like. Kevin is Kevin's other band with Charlie from Suffo, uh, Merciless Concept is, you know, like it is, that's kind of like Kevin's brain. If you listen to that music, it's, it's very like, it's the roller coaster. What he describes is the roller coaster where you, you have like 
a lot of tempo changes and a lot of just stuff that is slammy and fun that makes those dopamine hits go off in your brain. So it's been like this thing of kind of like, I don't know, between like between the death metal bands that both of us like, and then I guess just spending time together, a lot of that is more available in the new music. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's this one song I think it'll probably be the last song that comes out um, on this record where there's there's a legitimate Long Island slam part in it, you know, and uh, represent. Yeah, <laughs> for all my homies at home, how you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm proud of it, and I'm stoked. And it's and it's it's done in a way I think that doesn't surprise you. Like it doesn't not sound like him playing. It's not very like oh this song was very much this way and this one was very much that way. It's like they all kind of like complement each other, you know. Um, but yeah, that one's gonna be fun. There was a that that song came about. I was here on my birthday while we were writing over the summer, and I woke up a little banged up a little hung over the next morning to him sitting right here playing guitar and he goes i got you something i was like what do you got he just whips out the slam riff i was like yes <laughs> just for that whole day it was us building parts around it and how do we keep you know the message strong you know and it really it's sick i'm happy i'm very excited between between probably jersey and long island like the shit that he kind of describes um you remember we were talking, I think the last podcast that we did together, I was telling you, I grew up in the Central Valley and like there wasn't really much of a scene. Like, and and he talks about these shows that would happen that were that, like none of them were signed bands, you know what I mean? Like in 2003, 2004, and like 800 people would come to him, you know what I mean? And yeah. you legitimately had someone in your community, like a guy who lived like down the street who was in some band and was up there like looking sick and like showing you kind of how it was done and like i think about how lucky everyone from long island and in jersey in general was to grow up with that type of influence and to be able to be proud of the bands that were from there so yeah if you could find any videos on youtube of the center vfw just go watch those videos hey breed 94 playing there and it's just kind of like an old veterans hall that like maybe caps out at seven but there's easily like nine in this room and you're like what the fuck is going on in here you know and there. I'm sure you had the same thing, right? In Germany, no, I think we actually played. Of... We played that, but I'm pretty sure it was. You uh, probably did. It was, dude. It was a crazy show. It was Hatebreed, Converge, Shadows Fall, God forbid, uh, Sworn Enemy. Like, listen to that lineup. That's, oh no, that's and, mayhem. Oh, oh no, and Poison the Well. <laughs> yeah, mayhem. Like that's fucking insane. Actually, um, actually, is it Poison the Well or Converge? Maybe I can't remember if both of them played, right? Or either yeah. one or the other, both of them played, but it was. I mean, both of those bands are very popular in that area. Like, I just, all my hardcore buddies, they all grew up with one or the other of those bands. And there's video but, footage of that, of us playing. Sounds like trash. Well, I, I just, I'm just like, dude, back when there was Google video, you know what I mean? When it was his own website versus like being just part of the Google results, I would always show off this one video. There's a, there's a, there's a video of Suicide Towns playing there. And it's just awesome for that. But then there's this special Long Island moment. There was a band called Severed Us, Severed comma Us. It was D. Snyder's son's band. And they were playing like this all day fest where it was like full blown chaos. I think Recon was like the opener band in the very beginning. You know, Shout out Mike Recon. And uh, dude, in the middle, there's this band severed us that goes on. And you kind of know who you are. Oh, that's D. Snyder's son. That's cool, bro. Halfway through their set. 
the man himself walks in with a leather vest, shades on, ponytail, walks up on stage, and they cover We're Not Gonna Take It in like a deathcore fashion, hard, hardcore version, you know, version. And you're hearing, We're not gonna take it. And the whole crowd, like, the, like pile ups were really cool in like the early OOs where people were just beating the piss out of you. There's no one on the floor anymore. The whole room is on the stage. And just seeing that thing is a fucking Long Still Island story. Suffo. Suffo. Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister fucking uh, Dream then. Dream Theater. Did you talk about Long, Long, Long Island? Island? Yeah, what's that? About Long Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Center yeah, yeah. each. Let's glass draw. Vision. Glass draw, yep. VOD, those are the big ones for me. VOD is a big one, yeah. VOD too. Yep, yep. Okay, I didn't even I didn't know that. Yep. Sworn Enemy is like Queen, so it's still technically there. Internal Bleeding, Afterbirth. Um Fucking... So, wait a second. So I I looked it up, and it said you sang for Pyrexia for a minute. Mm-hmm. That's that's hard shit. <laughs> Me, it's like when I think of deathcore when I came up, it was like bands like that. It was Internal yeah. Bleeding, Pyrexia, Irene. Yep. You know, yep. oh dude, of... one of my favorites. Shout out Phil. Yo, shout out that was, that, that to me was like deathcore. You know, and Dying yeah. Feet too yeah of course dude so that's you're you're from jersey i feel like this is news to me i feel like i i knew this but i forgot it and now i know it again but like that i'm from did, jersey that did you just said that right yeah, yeah. Oh, okay that that's what i'm saying it just dawned on me i was like oh fuck okay that makes sense um but yeah your your brain our brains are probably similar and just like you know that sound you can make with a guitar to make a whole room go oh i gotta hit someone now you know like and that's the thing that gets me stoked with him, he's like, I'm going to play something boneheaded to make Kevin laugh right now. And it works every time. I'm like, yeah, we should make a song around that. <laughs> as as uh, Josta says, let, let a caveman live. Yeah, dude. In my, sh- in my, in my luggage right now, I tried to bring out all my heavy hitter shirts just for fun. I brought incendiary shirts, irate shirts, hate breed shirts. Uh, what else did I got in there? I got some really pissed off ones. But yeah, dude, I just love the violence. And if there's a way to incorporate violence in a like a mainstream, but like original, but like something that can attract to everyone while also putting a little sprinkle of like, yeah, 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 let's do that. So one thing I want to ask you guys about is, you know, pertaining to the landscape, right, that we're looking at right now, which I think is a really fascinating landscape and unique landscape in that. Extreme music is bigger than it's ever been. You have bands like Amada Marth are playing arenas, headlining arenas. You know, Behemoth is moving into this like next stratosphere of, you know, playing headlining 3,000, 4,000 cap uh, theaters. Deathcore is kind of at the the peak of kind of cultural relevance, right? You have, like I said, Lorna Shore and Slaughter to Prevail. These bands are exploding. And a lot of that, stuff seems very connected to with some of the bands or for the most part, it's these charismatic front men, right. That have just, they have that star power that normies can get into and enjoy uh, and whatever. And they're, they're using that connectively on social media, being a personality and using that as the kind of the way to, to market what they're doing. They're great bands as well, but it also seems like, in addition to having great music, it's like it's not for maybe the first time ever, the last ten years, it's having good music just isn't enough. Um, yeah. Is it something you guys think about in terms of spreading the word? Because we all, the old job was 
you make records, you go on tour, you do a little press. Maybe, you know, maybe make a couple music videos. Maybe you do, uh, if you're really mainstream, you do some like talk shows or you play on the Tonight Show or, or you know, morning thing or Howard Stern if you're lucky. But this new aspect of things of like, you said, you know, Wes, you're saying you're kind of conservative when it comes to how you portray the band on, on social media and not being too thirsty <laughs> for attention in that in, the, in that realm. Like, what is the approach, you know, considering you have new music coming out, seeing the landscape evolve underneath you and and being part of the extreme music world? Um, well, I mean, I think that just about every time that we put out music, you, I guess you could expect us to to use social media more because like we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we have a you know a good amount of meaningful stuff to share with people you know what i mean and this time around it's cool because right we got this tour which is you know to date the biggest rooms that uh we're gonna play and um new pictures uh new music new sort of like i guess videos of us playing this music that can sort of be shared and everything like that and um uh there's that's the stuff i think that you know we'll always focus on as a band um i and, and in a lot of ways i guess maybe that isn't like the the most rewarded way to use social media you know but um i i I tend to think it's cool when I see my favorite bands kind of go dark for a minute, you kind of almost go like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and um, not that it's that premeditated on our ends, you know what I mean? Not like we're sitting there like, yo, like we're going to not do shit for six months <laughs> and people are going to love it. Yeah. Like, we're not doing that, but it's, it's, it's more that like, I, you know, I think at this point people would probably expect to like, if, if, if we're being quiet, we're going to do something that's, you know, new or meaningful. Um, you call it something, you call it social tokens. You're like, I'm, I'm using all my tokens yeah, right now. Time you like you, you burn an internet token. Yeah. You know I mean, when, yeah. You, when you just put up something like, like you put up something that you hope that was big. It's like, well, blew that token, wasted it. Um, <laughs> my, my El Pollo Loco, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean the, uh, but yeah, the, I mean the, we definitely have a new attack coming though. I think that's what the new thing is. What does that you know, what, I mean? What does is, that mean? New attack? Well, I, I, I guess my perspective is like, we're, we're a band with dudes that all live in different States. So it's not like we can do the, the Hey, we're just hanging around candid stuff. You know, it's kind of like we spend all our time together when we're on tour, we get together maybe a week and a week and a half before a tour to rehearse. And that time and energy is focused on that and gear and everything else. But like with, how sarcoma rolled out we put we finished it what we say 2019 and it came out in 21 so we were just sitting on it not knowing what to post what to do we're just kind of like all right Wes, we'll do a guitar video okay i'll just do us like i do twitch streams and stuff so i'll try to capture something i did there and repost so i'm not like we're not actively content creators where now it's like how fortunate do we feel that there's an ep on the way and we're doing it like kind of like in a new way where we're doing single, 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 and then boom, now you can buy it, you know? Um, so we get to just kind of beat the internet on day one of this tour with a brand new song, you know, fresh new music video and and just 
really reward ourselves with it and maybe post clips of it. Now we're all here. We can do videos together in this week or, or get things like we kind of have like stuff, a little timeline, you know what I mean? That way, Oh, a week after the video's out, we have this thing we can do, you know, and now we have, you know, our, our friend Randy out with us on this Tesseract run doing, taking sick photos and video clips and just helping us, you know? So yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Love Randy. Yeah. Very talented. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's just like, now we feel productive while having fun doing the thing we're here to do where on us last time it was kind of like, well, fuck, do we even bring it up that a record's done in 2019, (laughs) you know? And then now it's just, everything feels like it's really literally falling into place. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, with, with tenure, I think comes like, you know, kind of me, like it's cool to roll out old content that's meaningful right like metallica having like 40 42 years under the you know under the belt and they can release these retrospective sort of box sets and stuff like that now whereas i think that if all of a sudden we started putting up footage of us recording sarcoma it would come off maybe a little presumptuous like yeah people really give a fuck they want to see this you know what i mean like if we just have a lot more work to do i think you know um so I guess we just try to be potent with, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, you know, um, and, you know, like in, in, in the same way that you want to be a polite support act and get the fuck out of the way when, you know, you're, you're done doing your thing, I guess it's the same kind of idea. Um, but yeah, it does seem like, you know, um, the more that you do on the internet, like, I mean, like you're not going to get more people involved in what you're doing by not showing them anything. So it's finding this balance of doing that where it's not, you know, superfluous shit, you know, and don't don't talk to me. I'm superfluous. I post every day. (laughs) What's up? How you doing? Where you at? Right. Well, okay. I would like to, I would, I would like to add that you just did stadiums with Metallica (laughs) for the last five months. So, I mean, that's not, it's not on the, that's not in the end of superfluous. Did I, I would, if I were you, I'd double down if I, if that's what I was doing, you know? No, no, there definitely isn't. Listen, I, here I am in the locker room. Well, here no, I am I, at catering. Well, no, well, well, for me, it's like, um, my approach, A, I do a lot of things. So it's like, you're just letting people know all the things you're doing. So if I'm doing like, okay, I'm, I did like Ice Nine Kills event this week, I played it, the whiskey for this event. We had dropped a new music video. I put out a podcast. So if I did four, five things in a week that are people would want to know about, you just kind of go, hey, I did a thing. And so you're not, to me, that's not really um, oversharing because why wouldn't you share that if you did something? Right. Cool, right. And like, I think that's what we're doing. But it's just like in these time gaps, we're not really doing anything else. You know, we're just kind of, well, not we're working on our shit, but it's still like we want to release where if you got if we had tours lined up and just ready to roll out, dude, I will now shut up about them. You know, you'll see me on Instagram live posting stories, posting whatever I got to do, you know? Yeah, no, I listen, I'm, I'm into the going dark. Like I was, (laughs) uh, (laughs) with bad wolves this early this year. It's like, I feel like we had this never ending album cycle. And I was like, yo, can we, like, we need to go away for a little bit. And I feel (laughs) like we didn't really go away for long enough. You know, it's cause you have to, uh, let people miss you sometimes, you know, so that, you know, like when they, when they do hear about you again, you are, you're kind of reapproached with a, a new perspective or like whatever, like, Oh, that was cool. But now, all right, 
something's fresh, something's new. There's a new conversation. There's a new story. Yeah. There's a, there seems to be this like tradition in metal um, where, I mean, if you're a band that is like kind of like a, us or, you know, whatever, there's like this period of like hunkering down and rationing technique or, you know, to where you can like come up with some music that's pretty exciting, like on a, you know, like on an emotional level and a technical level. And for me, that isn't usually done where I'm like thinking about I I'm, I'm I'm a pretty serious mono tasker you know what I mean like I've got two gigs of RAM it's real <laughs> potent shit you know what I mean when it's when it's cooking but um if I'm gonna focus on a thing I I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to focus on it and then do a bunch of other stuff but I mean again as we as we keep on moving you know like I I the more that we get to share with people that I th we think is quality, the the better. Um, and like, I I liked seeing all that Metallica stuff you were putting up. I had a had a good time watching all that. So yeah, no, um, it's, it, dude. It, it, and you you can tell if you're doing something that people are interested in seeing by the reactions. I mean, uh, you know, you see, okay, this got 3000 likes and 100 comments and that other thing did 200 likes in one comment so clearly they like this thing and you could obviously use that as a barometer for <clears throat> what kind of things people want to see from you what reacts what what has impact and especially when you're doing something like you said something like that that's so special so few people will get that opportunity um and the beauty of tours is that they're temporal right it's this thing if you know a show you guys have a show tonight in new york or something that's the only time it'll happen and that's it it's that one night and then it's gone and so capturing those moments i think is very very important capturing it sharing it you know trying you know give people that um you know kind of uh you know vicarious kind of experience you know so that's that's what i was really trying to do and always try and do because you know I, I do get the good fortune to have some incredible opportunities so important did you ever lap the whole stage the whole circle stage um <laughs> no and that's only because there was only a couple songs i didn't sing vocals on so oh, i okay. can't get back to my mic um and like yeah i'm it and then we uh changed the song we were closing with and because spencer had a vocal thing to do i would have to say thank you to you know whatever city we were in for the last uh -huh. show so i had to make sure i made it back by that cue <laughs> uh if i didn't have to do that then i probably wouldn't have to go back to the stage but i i probably made it you know they have like only like yeah maybe like a halfway through dude it's huge i know yeah i've seen the some of the videos and i'm just like what did that feel weird setting up They're like which way do i face what am i doing yeah, I mean, a couple songs and uh, or a couple shows, excuse me, uh, to get really comfortable with it. But and we did it weird where we faced in. Oh, you know, and the inside the mm -hmm. circle, the snake pit wasn't really full when we played. So it was kind of weird. So like most of the people were behind uh, gotcha. you and you have to go kind of do that. I really wish we would have done the other way. I think would have been a little more comfortable, but they wanted basically it to look like a stage so that because they were doing all their performance bits right and they wanted to have that feel of like if you were seeing the band you know just looking at it from one angle it's like here's the band as opposed to like this disparate thing of individuals just spread out right 
it feels just like an ultra wide monitor wrapped around you versus it being yeah it's everyone's just like looking a, different you know ways. a stage on a semicircle at basically that's how you know that was the kind of visual they were going for so like i totally get it yeah. but but just from a kind of selfish perspective it's been cool to just face <laughs> more the people you know right 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 right. yeah very yeah, that's cool experience man. and like and really fun you know like you really wanted to utilize the space as much as possible and the thing that's cool about it yeah you're playing this giant uh stadium and you know maybe eventually there'd be eighty thousand people there but when we played there's probably you know thirty thousand or something like that twenty five thousand um but they're right there you know there's especially you get in the middle it like it gets shorter and like both sides people are like it, it's they're like right there in your face and you rock out and they were just pumped really excited like none of that like oh it's a huge headliner and their fans are like not excited they were just they were just like happy and just you just and and you're so far away but by the time you went over to anyone they were just happy to be like acknowledged right. yeah it's it's participation it's they're they're in yeah it was de- definitely cool you know so i'm you know very thankful but yeah. you, know, you do it and then then it's over and you move it's on, on. To the done <laughs> where are you at right now you're in la yeah i live in long beach oh nice yeah. So what it what is that like? Is that like forty five minutes from, like L A proper? Uh, yeah, it depends where you're going. I mean, with no traffic, you can get to like downtown in like thirty thirty five minutes. But if I'm going to the valley, it took me almost two hours to get to the valley yesterday, at like going at a bad time, you know. So that's pretty. Yeah, cool. dude, it's weird. Like L A, you know, I might get roasted for saying this. Like L A was this place for most of my life where I get like it always seemed like this tricky place to live, right? Like it was, you know, like you, you had to work hard cause everything was expensive, but it had this sort of like welcoming sort of creative vibe to it. And like, that seems to have receded deeply into like maybe a, some TikTok house up in the hills where they're all drinking White Claw and stuff like that. Cause when I go there now, I'm just like, oh my God. I mean, um, I still really like San Diego a lot. San Diego, San Diego seems to be untouched by time. Um, I, I spent three years out there and uh, I like it a lot, but like LA. Yeah. Like trying to go eight miles in LA might take you two hours. What, what are you talking about? I thought everyone left. Didn't Joe Rogan <laughs> tell me that everyone left LA? And uh... <laughs> well, I, was, yeah. I was actually thinking that I was like, they said everyone moved to to austin or some shit or you know nashville i'm like tell me tell me this traffic but listen i think la like a lot of places was affected heavily by the pandemic um i think the cost of living here is is even worse than it than it was and it's just harder to 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 get by but it's still like the hub of so much um when it comes to the entertainment industry not just music i mean just entertainment in general but yeah a lot of people have you know, moved out to Vegas, moved out to Nashville, moved out to Florida, just 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 to kind of be able to afford a little bit more of a comfortable lifestyle. Because unless you're making like really good money or you have some amazingly rent controlled place, um, you know, or you bought a house, you know, 20 years ago or something, it's it's definitely a challenge. But I, I still love Los Angeles, you know, like it's not for everybody, but um, I totally. If I gave you. Like if I were financially poised right now and I to to give you like three, four million dollars to where like you you know like you you could live, 
you go by like Warren Buffett, like buy some house in Indiana and like, it's like a, you know, $200,000 house and you can just live not caring about anything for the rest of your life. Would you do it? Or buy a $200,000 house in Indiana right now without Warren Buffett. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, what so, I'm saying, would you relocate there? Um, no, I mean, I think if I had more money, I would, it would give me more impetus to stay in a place like this and more ability. Um, I think I'm, I'm probably going to have to move elsewhere soon. That's kind of the plan between what me and my, uh, fiance are lo looking at anyway. So despite loving it here, if we could afford to like buy a house here, that's probably what we do, but it's just, you know, I think the, uh, median price of a home in, in California is $700,000. Like it's crazy. It's about what it is in New York too, I think. Yeah. yeah. What are look well, like a millionaire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I could live in Five houses. I could, I could live on Long Island. That's one like I I I I could live there. I don't think I could live in Nashville. Um I if I could, one day I would probably buy uh my aunt's house in the valley like and you know, it's it's Woodland Hills, like it's across the freeway from Calabasas, so it's Woodland like Hills is good, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those places, like right on the edge of like Ventura County and you know L.A. And uh, I would try to grab that, but that puppy is is already way up there, so I had to I had to sell a couple tab books to make that happen. <laughs> so you're still in Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, about thirty minutes outside of Atlanta, but I always say Atlanta because yeah, I know. I mean, that's you know, that's where you go to. That's where you go and like get groceries, you know. Um, get groceries. But uh, I've loved it. I've loved. I love. Uh, Atlanta is kind of like the pride of the South, in my opinion. Um, it's it has as much activity, like entertainment wise, show wise, and everything like that, as somewhere like L.A. Um, it's a hub. It's, it's, it's considerably it's like cheaper to live and like the traffic here it's bad like twice a day you know yeah. what i mean like there's this there's this two hour period twice a day where it's like in la right if you need to get to lax there's this 15 minute window between like 3 45 and like 4 a.m where you can get down there straight shot but after that it's going to take you like an hour and a half two hours or something um so yeah it's been great to me and uh it's it's one of those things where like when you're in fucking California and you're like, oh, I want to go to like New Orleans, like New Orleans might as well be fucking Australia. You know what I mean? When you're living in some in California, but like here, it's not that far away. I could fly to New York in like two hours. What? Yeah, how, yeah. how long does it take for you to fly? And it'll always say like two and a half, three. And then it's like, oh, that was an hour and fucking yeah. 90. You know, just nothing. Tim lives in Houston, so he gets here relatively fast. Zach lives in Indiana, so he gets here fast. Like it's. It's uh it's one of those places where um you it it's it still hasn't, you know, been overpopulated yet, kinda like Nashville or like, you know, I guess now Austin, you know, like isn't that wild if you told everyone like four or five years ago that Austin was gonna be this place where like Tesla would have a factory and shit <laughs> and like all these big tech companies would move out there and all this other shit. It's a to change. No no time. Why not? You know, yeah, it's just no, taxes. No taxes. That's what you know. Rich people are always gonna go to try and be more rich. So you know, you know, ne never underestimate the uh, <laughs> the motivation of greed. <laughs> so not not surprised at all. <laughs> you know, you basically have to bribe these companies to come to your 
you know, to your area anyway with, you know, tax stuff and, you know, all, all, all kinds of goodies. So, you know, plus, I mean, Austin's just been sick forever. Like, you know, it's like, you know, a very unique place in, in Texas. Um, so yeah, not, not surprised at all. I remember going there back in the day, I'm like, man, this place is great. So, you know, great music scene, good food. 36th. You know? Absolutely. Um, I wonder, I wonder how many people are uh, turning off the podcast because we got really into traffic for, for <laughs> and t- 10 minutes, but, uh, uh, Wes, I had a couple, you know, guitar questions real quick. So if you're on here, I gotta, we gotta talk some guitar nerd shit. Um, this is what's gonna make people tune out of the podcast. No, this is gonna bring. Right. It back. I'm already like, all right, I'm gonna get out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put a little disclaimer. I'm like, listen, we talk about traffic for 12 minutes, but then we come back with guitar nerd shit. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kev, you want to take a break? All right, no, I'm just kidding. All right, I'm, I'm taking a nap here for a minute. Uh, did anyone in the Pantera camp ever call you? Did you ever get a no? No, no, never in the mix. Okay. Not well, that I know of anyway. Holy shit. Imagine there's an email somewhere in there like, hey, just figured I'd run this opportunity by you, but get back to me. Well, I mean, I'm sure they always had their eye on Zach. Like that was like the thing. But I know totally. they had but I know they had people who were like, um, it was like Charlie and Rex were like jamming just the two of them, and they had like people sitting in, you know. Um, so I wondered maybe if something like that but or there was a thing where i know even though they had zach on the mind they definitely talked about other people like i know ola's name was in the mix and things like that no no i never heard anything from anyone but i mean obviously they made the right choice with zach i mean like both both in terms of like zach having a marquee value as a name and playing and then also just being a guy who was associated with daryl you know what i mean like they were, sure. they were close so it makes fan it, it makes a ton of sense for the for, for the fans and it makes a ton of sense for everyone else in the band i obviously think they made the right call and uh um did you get to didn't you play some shows with it over in the last five oh, months they were no so they were on the metallica tour but on the opposite days i was and there were two times almost three times that i was gonna go try and see it uh on off their on off dates because they were out with lamb of god and i think the first time I had an issue with my passport, so I had to like stay in Buffalo, and it kind of screwed things up. And so I couldn't. I was going to maybe go to the Toronto show, and that didn't happen. And then I was dealing with some, you know, tax stuff, and I had to like spend a whole day doing my taxes instead of going to see Pantera. So fun stuff like that <laughs> messed it up for me. And then I could have technically gone to see him in L.A., and I was just like exhausted. You know, I could have used my Metallica pass and went to the show, but I was like, you know what, I want to. I almost don't really want to see him with Metallica thing. I want to see him on like their own show, you know. So I'm gonna try and try and catch one of them. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it seems like one of these things that at least in the beginning there were a lot of people who were like super divided about it. Like, um, like when that all started rolling out, I got tagged and shit. Like. 400 times a day for like two months you know what i mean like people being like it should be Wes and all this other shit and like it was is i guess nice it's flattering but it was a you know like a little annoying and but there was but while i would see all that stuff i would see a ton of people say this that and the other thing you know like air out their opinion on whether or not they thought that they should be allowed to go out and play those songs and all this other stuff. And the way I look at it is like, Hey, 
you know, this is for all the people that didn't get to see it. And I think that anything that large in terms of like a band that's able to draw lots of people to shows and generate a lot of money for promoters and everything is going to be a good thing, right? Because like the more money that other promoters have, they can take risks on bands, you know what I mean? And like, there's just more kind of to go around. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's, there's not a lot of bands out there, right? These days that could just go and do 14,000 people at a Maris bank amphitheater. You know what I mean? There's just not that, there's not that many. Um, so the fact that there's another one out there, you know, at least for the foreseeable future is a good thing, you know? Oh, I, I, I agree hundred percent. I'm just like, how is people being happy a bad thing? <laughs> like people go out and they have a good time, you know. What is what is the downside? You know, like I said, I, I guess the downside would would be if it's it was not good or something, and people and then people weren't happy. But everything I've heard for the most part is like kind of rave reviews. Obviously, I've seen a ton of videos and stuff online, but it seems like people are really really happy with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, they they they've hired a lot of the original crew too, so that's probably got to be like a good thing for everyone's heart who's involved in it. You know what I mean? Sonny, the Lightning Bringer, that guy. You know, they're they're LD forever. Um, he was working at this venue. Uh, Ampl Amplitude, Amplified, Amplified. Yeah, yeah. He was the house lighting guy there uh, for like the last year, and I've gotten to. Uh, bullshit with him every time that we've gone through sweet man very sweet man he did our lights in that when we played there and it was yeah, amazing yeah. very very like cool with talking about you know the stuff and everything and just like the old days it was cool and i mean for like someone like me who the reason i wanted to be in a band was because of those fucking home videos it was it's cool you know what i mean that i got to talk with them about it um yeah i mean it goes without saying that like that band and you know those records had 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 an indelible touch on my life you know what i mean so i think it's awesome that they're out doing it again absolutely speaking of zach wild i remember you know we did ozfest 04 i remember there was this quote by sharon osborne basically you know complimenting zach wild but kind of at that time, this was, I guess, the tail end of the new metal era. Basically, like, you know, there's no guitar heroes left, you know, and that there was time very few, you know, exemplifying how much Zach stood out. And now I feel like it's like a, the return of the guitar heroes. You know, you got, you know, Tim Henson is, you know, this superstar and, uh, you know, Misha and and Tosin and you know I'm sure there's a whole a whole bunch of other 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 people. You know, Brandon Ellis out there crushing it. A lot of just great guitar players. Um, Andy James, you know. But I think you know you're someone who's really come into your own. Uh, you know, big part of that because you're kind of at the forefront of a band that's actually out in the world and and doing things. Um, how is your perspective kind of changed on like what that means to be like one of the guys that people look up to and kind of uh set the standard in, in, in many ways as like what it means to be like at the upper echelon of of this whole being a sick shredder dude <laughs> or if you even think about it that way i don't know if you do well i think that everyone right like kind of 
they have this idea they have this guitar in their head you know what i mean like what it what that guitar sounds like kind of and then you if you don't smoke cigarettes and you don't eat fast food and shit like that, you'll probably get like 80, 85 years on this earth. And that's still not enough time to become the sickest that you ever wanted to be. So you kind of have to pick your five most important things to the sound of that guitar in your head and go after them. So that's pretty much what I've done. And like, there's this whole thing, you know, like, I think I told you last time, like the first shit that got me into playing guitar was Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, and like my dad's blues, you know? And then um, that segued into like the fat records, you know, Black Wagon, Propagandi, no effects type of thing. And then backtracked into Minor Threat, Subhumans, and all that other shit at GBH. And um, I got into metal and like, seventh grade and um my whole thing is the guitar in my head was this thing where i wanted it to be like this aggressive piss thing but like have a, a knowledge of harmony you know what i mean like understanding how weird chords are put together and everything so um you know that's been the sound that i'm chasing in my head and it's very strange like i'll sit there and i'll play like a west montgomery lick you know like i'll play like a straight up like jazz lick and someone will be like get your pole brother sounds like dime <laughs> you know what i mean it's so it's inescapable and in a lot of ways i mean it's it's obviously it's a it, it's a compliment because daryl's like you know obviously like the in my opinion the greatest guitar, metal guitar player that, that that's ever been but um yeah the um i guess to be considered among those names that you just mentioned brandon andy james and all that other stuff that's very cool um uh I do think though, like my whole thing is I'm probably, I'm just going to try to get better until I die. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be an important thing to me. And I can legitimately say that I can play shit now that I couldn't three years ago and three years ago, I could play shit that I couldn't before that. So if I can keep doing that until I die, that's, I, I think I'll be doing a good job. Um, and you know, uh, I, th I the the way I look at it I guess is um you know the the guitar hero thing is definitely like a certain set of criteria um Brandon Ellis definitely has it down you know what I mean like he he looks like this little like Brand Brandon Brandon could like be in like Trans-Siberian Orchestra or something like that too you know what I mean he's got the hair he's got the moves you know what I mean um and uh you know like it's it's this kind of thing of constantly working on trying to be a better performer too you know um so it's like the mixture of like being a performer and then being able to play ripping shit and do it with a level of consistency where you people are like oh fuck you know that's that's the real deal that guy can really do that you know that's that's important to me so um i think it's important to everyone in the band too you know what i mean it's definitely important to kevin tim is tim is i mean like he's good at everything i watched him the other day play on zach's kid he could play bleed from mashuga that <laughs> he's one of he those play, guys yeah he can play bass and every once in a while he'll pick up my guitars and play like riffs from our songs and i'm like fuck dude yeah like, he's a you sick know? ass guitar player <laughs> yeah yeah and um and zach our drummer is phenomenal um introduced and, to the the world zach dean yeah yeah zach dean we got this uh 
this very sweet man um from indiana and uh we met him last fall he came out and learned our set in about a week and a half and he and we went and played 53 shows with them last fall and just grew to really love him we took him to europe in the beginning of this year and uh yeah we put a ring on it you know and, uh he's he's our guy we love him and um we're stoked to write music with him and, and play with him uh there's there's definitely something uh special when you you like really like someone do you know what i mean like a lot in in addition to being able to play with them i don't think that that happens too often and i think that bands really try to make that happen a lot and i feel grateful that we were able to find that fairly early on you know like as a band so what are your thoughts nailed it i love zach dean i love tim it's just I, i was saying this too like i feel like we know a lot of people in different bands that kind of just have like these like i don't want to call them like let's call them like unspoken rules of like oh he's the drummer but he's not in the music videos or there's oh this guy that is he doesn't get to write a thing but he can you know what i mean like just those those invisible walls of like lack of respect in a camp where it's like i'm proud in this group that everyone feels like we're brothers in this shit dude and it, and it feels very awesome and we can wear it proudly on stage and get off stage and just have the best time you know absolutely i'm it's, it's, it's very exciting this this ep is is mind-blowing i love it i can't wait to listen to it again and again and again uh but thank you guys you know so much for, for taking time to be on the show is there uh anything you want to promote besides the record or dates or anything get it out right yeah. now fuck yeah um <laughs> all right well go ahead and uh start with my nerdy stuff i got my twitch.tv slash kev muller come hang out sometimes i stream shows i stream a bunch of bullshit um vocal stuff um outside of that we are going to be on tour in the next what is it a week from now now so uh, it's no, uh, october 5th. october 5th tesseract intervals and ourselves as well as we have four headliner shows amongst those some of those off days in where do we got albany i'm gonna hit him with the dates you yeah pull up, you pull up the thing uh, he, the, you, we got the camera rolling oh, on yeah, that one right. so i'm trying my best off the dome here um um but yeah, uh, thanks for having us on again, bro. Um, I think I, I told you this over the phone, but, you know, uh, the very first dude who I ever met was a real dude, like, you know, who was really doing it was Doc Coyle. And he was the first guy. I was still in the military, and no one in my life had ever patted me on the butt and never told me that I was any good at guitar. And uh, Doc Coyle did. And I don't know that I would have, like, tried to keep going if I didn't get patted on the butt by doc Coyle in like 2008 or 2009 so thank you bro and thank for thank you for having us on again hey i was just telling the truth the truth that uh maybe i was only privy to at the time but uh, a lot of other people have been uh exposed to in the years since so just uh congratulations on everything you guys are doing great um you know i wish you the best i'm sure you're gonna crush on this tour i would love to see you on this but i think i'm gonna be on tour myself so i don't think i'm gonna be able to check this out but uh best With of bush, luck right yeah bush and then also god forbid is going out and doing uh some stuff in at the end of the october into november so very be fun very yes, sick yes well def definitely check out the record you guys be good i'll talk to you soon
Later. Cheers, Thank buddy. you very much. Bye-bye. So that was Fog Belts, which is one of the new singles 
for the new Alluvial EP. I was wrong. It's not out yet. It's called Death is But a Door, and it comes out on January 12th, 2024 on Nuclear Blast Records. And there's another track out that's a banger. And that song, man, that's that that riff. That's that's like an all-timer, man. Um, they're really, really firing on all cylinders, and it's wonderful to see. And, you know, I'm sure they kicked ass when they were out with um, Tesseract, I'm sure that was a great tour. It looked like they packed, there were packed houses. I think, you know, one of the biggest tours they've done to this point. So congrats to them. Love those guys and uh, very talented, extremely, extremely talented. So I just wish them all the best and thank you for doing the show. Hope you guys enjoyed the converse, conversation, a little catch up with Wes and just seeing how he's doing, you know, just one of the best dudes. So anyway, uh, I am in Hershey, Pennsylvania. You know, got no chocolate. You know, didn't didn't go out. It's like that that part of the tour. You just I can't. You know, your boy went out last night. All right, went out to a couple bars, hanging out with the Bush guys. You know, having a couple sippers, and so you know, I ended up sleeping in a little bit. And uh, but today, I was like, you know what? Got this big. We got this big old theater, the Hershey Theater. Really beautiful, actually, really beautiful theater. But they had some extra rooms. I mean, you know, I can go work on the pod, get some work done. You know kind of catch up with all this stuff I'm behind on. So, yeah, we're pretty much going to Canada uh, coming up and the Midwest and, you know, doing – should be a good run, you know. And I don't, I don't really know what's going on much for next year. I I know I'm doing Metal Allegiance in January. Got a couple of little, 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 little kind of mini gigs people are talking about, so I have some more stuff to announce. But as far as touring, there's nothing in the books – so I think Bad Wolves is going to do some kind of headline thing. We're looking at that. Um, but other than that, I don't know what I'm doing. So I need—I feel like I need to go on vacation, like a real vacation. We'll see. I deserve it. <laughs> I don't know if I can afford it, but I just definitely deserve it. <laughs> so, you know, we'll definitely look into that. And uh, anyway, not much going on. Basketball season's back. I've been trying to catch the games when I can. The problem is the games are on, are on at the same time I'm on stage, so I can't really – watch too much so but I'm, I'm doing my best Knicks are looking good that's all I care about so all right I'm gonna get out of here thank you as always for listening to the show y'all keep it real have fun you know eat some donuts you know the, the winter's coming up you know put on get get your hot chocolates and all that shit and uh you know mom is out Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-d.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.